You know, I fueled myself by giving. And not only did that fuel, you know, it fueled me so I could like myself. It fueled me because then I could feel good about me and I felt safe and I felt worthy. And I had to come to learn that I am perfect in my imperfections by just breathing. I don't have to earn my own love. And that was the healing that I got to, to create safety so that I could show up authentically. On this episode of the Creator Community, we'll meet Kristen Collins, a former healthcare executive turned author and coach who, after many struggles with finding her purpose in life, learned to find the perfect in her imperfections and own them. We'll hear how Kristen, one who many thought had it all, found herself with a major health scare that forced her to reprioritize her life. This new life inspired her to launch her own company with a mission to empower others to learn from her journey and find their own. We'll follow Kristen's discovery of finding the root cause of her ailing and her true calling. And we'll learn how all of this led to her book series and her first appearance on the TEDx stage. Check out the show. Welcome to the Creator Community. This is a podcast for book publisher, New Degree Press. I'm your host, John Saunders. The show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, NDP will cross over 1,300 published authors on six continents and earned the 293rd spot on the Inc. 5000 list. This is a list of the fastest growing privately held companies in America over the last three years. This episode is a special one. It's part of the new NDP alumni series, authors that went through the program and published their books over a year ago. We are checking in with them to learn about how their journeys have impacted their lives and careers and see what they've been up to since bringing their books to the world. Today with me, Kristen Collins. She's a former healthcare executive who thought she was doing everything she could to live a vibrant and healthy life. Still, her health struggled. Why, she wondered. She knew there had to be a better way and was determined to find it. Her relentless pursuit to improve herself led her to open her heart to the world and share the lessons she had learned along the way, from better health and healing to connecting with people through her creative charity and community involvement. In her first book from April 2021, Her Phoenix Rising, A Journey to Health and Healing Through Self-Love, Kristen takes us on her non-traditional journey to uncover the root cause of her ailments. Along the way, she discovers that knowing and loving herself is essential to good health and is the foundation for optimal well-being. She is on track for her second book later this year as part of a trilogy and recently did her first TED Talk. Congratulations, Kristen, and welcome to the show. Oh, John, thank you so much. I have chills everywhere, and it is wonderful to reconnect with you. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure to have you back for episode three of the alumni series. You know, you have been a busy person since your book came out, no doubt about it. Uh, You know, before we dive into this last year, maybe we could just share with people a little bit more about your journey and your career journey, what it's been about, right? From your resume, from your LinkedIn page, many would say, man, what a great life she was living. (laughs) And yet you took a turn. What, What happened there? Oh, wow. It's such a great question. And I think many of us create a life that is wonderful and, you know, not knocking any of that. I just had an inner knowing and an inner stirring that I was not satiated and and wasn't on purpose. And it was through ill health that I got the proverbial knock on the head to reevaluate and decide how I wanted to spend my day and you know what where I wanted to place my energy. So my book journey was foundational to help me self-discover that. And now my days are filled very vibrantly and what I hope to be very much on point. 
so your your health was struggling because of your physical activities. Is that what I'm hearing? The way you were living your life? Actually, what's funny is it's the opposite. I was an executive overseeing health and well-being for a hospital system, a $2 billion healthcare system. And I was eating amazing. I was a triathlete. Uh, I seemingly physically looked great, you know, but after a series of blood work that I, I didn't know anything was wrong, I found out that I actually had chronic, acute chronic disease. My inflammation was actually over 100%. Oh my gosh. And it's in the state of inflammation that disease is created. So my ill health was in the bop over the head was you eat, you're vegan, you eat great, <laughs> you exercise like a maniac. Why is your inflammation off the charts? And, and that was the beginning of my journey to self-discovery. That was the, the wake up call. The, I imagine a lot of pain from that inflammation, right? It, it, in hindsight, and, and I, as I age, the new normal, I just attributed it to aging. And I, so the pain was there, but I wrote it off and I didn't listen to my body, listen to the nudges. And it was that blood test that woke me up. And I said, oh, maybe now that makes sense. Why this hurts or why this skin irritation is here or whatever it was that was showing up. Wow. So sounds like a lot of discovery on many facets. What would you say you learned about yourself through that journey? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, and again, the reflection of the book writing was pivotal in helping me discover this. I had unresolved trauma from childhood, and I honestly had spent a lot of time, energy, and money on that past trauma and was very proud to, to have overcome it and worked through that and was very vibrant, irrespective of it. But what I found out was that I actually hadn't done the root cause healing work of self where I embraced self and, and really loved myself, I still had shame and guilt that I hadn't addressed. And it was in the constant state of trying to prove myself to self. That's through service. That's through you know, community leadership. That's through helping others. I was running on this gerbil treadwheel, trying to feel good about me, for me. And that blew out my, my autoimmune system. Wow. So you were human doing rather than human being. Is that what I'm hearing? Ooh, that's good. That's amazing. When you think about that journey, and one of the things you talk about in your book is you know, rediscovering your authentic self. And I think about this, what you just shared on self-love. It sounds like such a simple concept. Like how, can, how do we struggle with this? And you know, what, is, what is rediscovering your authentic self? What is that like? <laughs> that is such a good question. It's so simple that it's really hard. And I think as a culture, we're so used to taking ourselves out of discomfort very quickly and with external forces, you know, where's the pill? <laughs> what food do I need to consume? Or, you know, who can I pay to help take this off my plate? And so when I connect with people and try to express my journey or support them in theirs, the idea of just sitting with self and being and knowing and loving authentic, you know, different, unique self and living your life on point with that is really hard to grasp because you can't just take a pill and fix that. You really have to do the work and it doesn't have to be five years, 10 years. You don't have to go back to school and get a PhD. You don't have to write a book. You don't have to climb a mountain, but you do have to sit with self and stop distracting to just try to comfort self. You have to actually feel everything that's inside, get in touch with your own unique inner knowing, release, thrive, and be well. 
I mean, this getting in touch with yourself is such a, I think, such a powerful message to put out there. And, you know, we live these lives where we set goals, right, that often aren't ones that are anchored to our lives and our values. And we go from thing to thing to thing and continue to do and never really make that connection. So, you know, for someone who feels in this moment, you know, Kristen, what would you tell them? Where do they, you know, how do they kind of break this pattern? Where do they start? So many folks um, are very, very mindset-driven, achievement-driven, and we live in a society that defines success, you know, what we attain and what we do and what letters are after our, our name as acronyms. <laughs> and we're, we're very achievement-oriented. Where is that desire or drive coming from? And as we age, and I can speak for self mostly, I got to the point of burnout where it's like, what am I trying to accomplish here? accomplishment after accomplishment, after attainment, after attainment. And yet I, I still wasn't satiated. I was still always looking for the next and to get that high, to get that release, to get that excitement or, or to feel good. And it's I where I'm realizing I was doing all of my achievement from my head, my humanness, my ego, not my heart and my true authentic self. And that's kind of the way our culture just defines success. So the message now is releasing that, sitting with it, contemplating it, and and kind of stripping it down to get back to core and reconnect with that heart because that's the only place we're going to find that satiation and that wholeness is what am I doing because it's heart-based and it's not doing like I'm willing my way to swim upstream to get her done. I'm receiving it because it's in flow with my unique, authentic purpose. And making that connection sounds like a pretty powerful exercise. And if we don't, right, that's what leads so much to this burnout. We keep hearing about people making big radical career changes in this last couple of years during the pandemic. And I think they're feeling burnt out going from Zoom to Zoom. You know, one of your talks you do, you talk about not just avoiding burnout, but in inspiring others to do the same, right? How do you, how do you make that switch when we're, you know, it's so easy to feel like you're caught in the hamster wheel. I've got all these payments. I've got all these things in my life. I've got kids, you know, how do I break the cycle? And it was ironic. It's it's the same way <laughs> when we're expecting to find satiation and joy outside. And when we're not, we're going to blame it on employer or employee or colleague or spouse or kid or mother-in-law, <laughs> right? And so that's burnout. That is, I'm constantly seeking the joy, the happiness out there, and we're never going to find it. What is the stat on first marriage is failing? Never mind, second marriage is failing. Okay, and I'm not saying that spouse or other didn't have something to do with the breakup of a marriage, but how much ownership are am I taking? What's the reflection inside? Same at work. What do I own? How am I showing up? And once you get in touch with who you are, being comfortable with that, it may be time to step away, but you have to, and which is what I did in healthcare ultimately. But if I had left any sooner, and hadn't come to this realization, I would just be recreating the same trauma <laughs> in, with another mask, it, with a different you know, situation. So right now, if we want to stop the, the cycle of burnout, it's really about self-reflection, especially in a culture, whether that's community as 
whole or a corporate culture or a family culture or a neighborhood culture where there's certain expectations and you try to fit in. So now you're not staying attuned to authenticity. And that's where I found myself in healthcare, where I did not align with the current traditional medical model. It's very important and necessary for lots of things, but where I wasn't finding it to be in alignment was with optimal well-being because it was all about, you have to fit in to the model. And I was a very unique opinion. And, and so I had to gain in my own clarity on what I believed in and not try to force everyone around me to believe it too. I just had to be comfortable in my own skin. And then I naturally self-selected an early retirement where I stepped into my own company and now set my own cultural tone of well-being that satiates me and, and makes me very happy. That's amazing. And let's to be clear for our listeners, retirement of your corporate life and now starting a new journey. I don't really know that I've actually ever really started yet. Like I'm I'm about to turn 55 and I'm like, you know, I think I'm about to actually step into my true purpose work. So there is shifting in this, you know, the great resignation, there is shifting that can be very healthy, but there's also a lot of shifting where it's just blame and we're not getting to root cause. And then it's just going to be recreated if, if we don't go there first. What would you say, you know, as you went through your journey of discovery, where was this? I mean, it sounds like there's this, just been so many moments of awareness for you. Aside from the healthcare one, was there, were there others that kind of came along and said, wait a minute, I need to take ownership of this circumstance. What was that moment for you? Exactly the, the why behind taking the pause to, to journal and, and document, really to download the experiences. And 29 different snippets authentically showed up when I sat to write her Phoenix Rising. And at first I was intrigued and kind of laughing. I'm going, I, I wonder why that story came up. Like, how does that even fit in? Does that even make sense to bring into this space? The fun thing about going through the book writing journey was I had no pressure. I was writing the book for one person and that was myself taking that summer of COVID and transitioning a professional career to reflect and release. And so when I finished the five-month experience of, of journaling my stories that showed up for me and I read them back and I thought, my goodness, this actually does have a lot of thread and it is one of self-discovery, some through health, lots not through health. <laughs> but I think the core is this, the remembering disease is based on dis-ease, right? And we are all connected. So when you're not comfortable in self, it's impossible to show up in connectivity with others. So there were characters in my life. Some can deem it a positive experience. Some could deem it a negative experience. I don't believe in that. I think every experience has a, has a lesson, has a tension, whether it's joy or hate or anger. And so I reflected on the 29 top ones that really popped an aha for me. And the way I wrote her Phoenix Rising was not so that folks can literally digest my ahas, but my hope was, and, and I, I'd love your feedback on this, my hope was that as people consumed my story, that it stirred something in them and brought them to their own story where they can find a possible aha. I love it. You made, because so much of this what you're talking about, self-discovery and awareness, it's it's takes a lot of vulnerability. You're really putting yourself out there to face these 
challenges that maybe you were somewhat or totally responsible for, right? And that's hard to look in that mirror sometimes. And so I appreciate the idea, I think, that you did with your book here, Her Phoenix Rising, that you're you're putting your own self out there to help others make this moment, this self-discovery more accessible, I think is what I'm hearing. Is that a fair statement? It's very fair. And I think the subtle the subtlety is that first and foremost, it was for self. And my amazing editor, Jewel, as I started getting into a groove, as we were working towards publishing, when we decided, okay, I am going to publish these words, I started getting a little, a little preachy, a little teachy. <laughs> and she called me out and she said, you're writing this book for one human. And that is yourself and whoever picks it up, whoever's touched by it. So there's the authentic vulnerability. But to your point, my favorite feedback has been when, when people connect and they, they say, you've helped me embrace something in my life, whether they share that something or not, that they're willing to sit with and either remember for the first time or connect with for the first time because they've been dissociating or distracting from it. And it's it's providing that healing. John, I have to be honest. I'm not sure I had a choice. I, it was burning inside of me. It just had bubbled up to a point where I had to get this out. And I... I don't want people not to like me and I don't want people, you know, like that's not what I'm looking for. But at the same time, I'm not for everyone. You're not for everyone. We're not supposed to be for everyone. This is just my truth. And if it can help someone, great. And if not, it it helps me. <laughs> I'm thankful. I mean, what a, a beautiful story and, and such honesty that you're putting out there to the world, not only about your own struggles and challenges that you face, but that Hey, this this isn't like a perfect roadmap for everybody, but I'm trying to help others find a positive journey as I did. What a great way to set an example for others and to put it out there in a published book and what a, a mission to be on, helping others rise up. I love that. Thank you. And I think what just bubbled up for me, and it's literally this week's conversation that I'm having in shared community is release with love, release uh, guilt and shame of self you know, release others, release trying to control a future that's not here yet. And we don't have a ton of control over and, and release with love, not release with animosity, cut them off. You're a jerk, but release with love. And it's that vulnerable authenticity. If that's what we label it, it's a very surreal, calm place to be where it's just, I can take it in with curiosity and wonder when things cross that aren't in alignment with what I think or feel. And I don't have to be threatened. I don't have to judge. I don't have to hate. I don't have to change. I can just experience it. Be like, wow, that was so interesting. And whether that was a lesson for me to know who I am, I'm not that, or whether it was a lesson that maybe there's something I want to incorporate or completely shift to. It's created this openness by releasing with love that is allowing the receiving like I've never seen in my life. This, this concept of, of having this lesson, this sort of looking at life through a curious lens versus this, dare I say, judgy lens, which oftentimes is the case. I mean, that's, a, I think, a big switch for people. Where do you think that, that lack of curiosity and sort of quick to judgment thing comes from? What has your experience taught you about that? That's a really beautiful, robust question. And what bubbled up for me was trying to control environment just to feel safe. I mean, that's pretty basic, right? And I was probably the queen of judge. <laughs> I thought I had all the answers and everyone needed to do what I said or, you know, feel the way I felt or see what I saw. 
And again, her Phoenix rising. And when I read it back, I was like, wow, that's so interesting. The different characters that came up in life that just helped me have a pop to get me there. And when I realized that we're all uniquely designed and every single breathing thing is different. None of us are exactly the same, not even, you know, Siamese twins <laughs> that have lived the, you know, seemingly exact same life. They're not even exactly the same. So we're all going to see the same truth slightly or grossly different. When I found that out, I was like, that's wild. How do, what is truth? How do we get along? How do we live in civilization? You know, how, an organized society. So I don't have that answer. I think how we how we live there has to be that we're all different. And we have to honor and respect whether someone is completely the opposite of me. And I'm like, that is insane. But that's their truth. Based on their lens, their bias, their history, their ancestry, it's just different than mine. So that was a huge awakening for me on I don't need to control my environment. I'm safe and okay in a collective that is diverse and full of uniqueness. You know, and, and when we aren't our true selves and we don't live our true values, right? It takes immense energy to not be that person. You're you're living here. Maybe you have one value here, but you're living here. And that creates, maybe that was part of what your journey is with this pain you went through is that your body reacted and said, Right. I think that's what I'm hearing. You weren't living your true self and your body kind of called you out for it. Is that a, is that a fair statement? It is. And, and I don't know the science behind when that happened. I feel I was authentically living a life that was on point for many years, but then some growth happened, some awareness you know, showed up. <laughs> and then I realized I had a, a different layer to explore. So, and I think that, you know, I, I'm a modern day midlife crisis. And I think that it, that could be a good thing where I just realized what has been working thus far is no longer. And I want to explore a different layer of freedom. That's more in alignment with just a deeper who I am, a more honest, transparent, not just to community, but honest to myself. That's so interesting. And, and again, when you live this disconnect, you live this empty life. One of the stories you talked about in your book was, you know, sort of reflecting on how what appeared to be a great life. And yet you were always like, what's next? When's my next promotion? When's my next bonus? When's my new car? Even though I maybe just bought one, right? And so constantly feeling empty. And one of the talks you do says, you. I think you called it, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? How does that relate to our lives? And again, I, I have a feeling that a lot of audience for your podcast are high achievers. You are an extremely high achiever, very successful. And we, for me, after- no, no, it's true. We've achieved and achieved and achieved, and we're very capable of of work, you know, working that and creating that and manifesting that. But with it not bringing the satiation becomes the problem. So I did not know I was empty. And I, by the grace of whatever, <laughs> however this happened, this was one of those experiences where a chance crossing with an Ayurvedic doctor who I connected with for less than five minutes and have not spoken to since, but I was, she read me and she said, I don't know how you're sitting here right now. You should be in the hospital. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm in the Hills of Tuscany. I'm at this awesome wellness retreat with my husband. Like everything's great. And she said, Kristen, you've been living a life in one direction your whole life. And that's been giving. And you haven't allowed a single 
morsel of receiving, especially from self, and you are literally exhausted. And wow. there she, I've chills. There she went. And I sat in the aftermath. I'm like, what did that mean? And lo and behold, as I digested her words, I'm like, she's absolutely right. You know, I fueled myself by giving. And not only did that fuel, you know, it fueled me so I could like myself. It fueled me because then I could feel good about me and I felt safe and I felt worthy. And I had to come to learn that I am perfect in my imperfections by just breathing. I don't have to earn my own love. And that was the healing that I got to, to create safety so that I could show up authentically. And, you know, John, it's really interesting because showing up authentically has shifted for me. Whereas before previously mentioned, it was a lot about everyone. Listen up, come here, come here. Let's go. I got an idea. This is where we all have to go. Right. It was about helping others. Now my showing up authentically often doesn't come with a lot of words. And it comes with a lot of listening and a lot of contemplation. And it's a very different vibe. And it's one that I cherish because it's it's very serene. It's very, it's full of joy. It's full of laughter. It's just full of wonder. And it's a really, really cool headspace to be in. So here you are on vacation in Italy, loving life, getting massages and this kind of thing, right? eating well. And this doctor says, you need to go to a hospital. Like talk about it, trying to you know, blow up your vacation. Was that before or after you wrote Her Phoenix Rising? It was or, or before in the of, okay. and part of my share in Her Phoenix Rising about three quarters of the way through was that that retreat provided a number of ahas. And I shared a, a, a few of them in her Phoenix Rising in hopes that it stirs. Well, it helped me first and foremost. And then I hope that it, it stirs something inside other of, you know, what am I trying to prove? Who am I trying to prove it to? You know, was it that teacher? Was it, you know, my mother? Was it, you know, who, who am I trying? And for me, I was trying to prove it to myself and very unhealthy. So I hoped that by sharing it, it helped others know that they are perfect in their imperfection. And if you don't like who you are or who you have been, you can change your mind. And right there and then in that given moment, you can choose to feel, do, be different and you know, release with love. You know, so many of these overachievers, as you talked about earlier, show up at meetings and they kind of pretend like they're the quarterback. Hey, everyone huddle up. Let's talk about this. This is our, these are the marching orders. Let's go. You then made the switch from sort of this domineering moment, if you will, to coming in curious to be, be asking questions and to be a better listener. What were those early moments like of that transition? Because when you're used to showing up in meetings and being the one dominating the session, I'm sure there was an urge to start talking and right, getting it out there. Like, how did you, what was that like? That one was a journey. And I, I love it. There's like all these scenarios just blew through my brain, but I'll, <laughs> I started understanding in the corporate world, what we can call servant leadership, which is very different leadership style. And it's very unique to be that comfortable with self when you're not trying to take all the credit and you're actually empowering your team to thrive and be well and surrounding yourself with different opinions. And I was so blessed to spend eight years in healthcare with a servant leader who I, I literally, I blossomed like I've never blossomed under his leadership. So I started modeling my leadership style after him. And because I knew how good it felt to be supported and listened to. And by the way, that didn't always mean I was right or it was implemented or, you know, I was supported. 
it was holding space for me to explore, you know, in a safe environment where I could fail, where I could be told no, where I could be scolded, you know, or, and I was scolded a few times. So it was just this really awesome learning curve. And so when I stepped out, then I inherited a a very sizable team within the healthcare system. I went from a solopreneur to running a team and I, I did the same with them. That was my leadership style with them. And our engagement scores, when I inherited them there, it was like the Titanic sinking. (laughs) Uh, And I can't remember the exact score, but it was like red, 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 red. There was not even any yellow on that, on that engagement score. Six months in, they had to to run the annual and the engagement score by the team was 98.5%. And it wasn't because they all were yes to death or everyone take Tuesdays and Fridays off or, you know, everyone gets a $20 pay raise. It was nothing like that. Some of the things were right butts, right seats, listening, asking open, you know, ended questions. And when the answer was no, or the decision was no, it was looping back and expressing in a loving way why the no at this time, no, or that was illegal (laughs) or whatever it was. And so it was a great workout for me to understand space holding versus uh, quarterbacking. I mean, think about a coach, right? A coach of a football team. The coach in the football team isn't out there playing all the positions, throwing the ball to themselves. They've got a whole team of coaches and a whole team, you know, of players and great coaches know how to instill inspiration and and support the team, not be the doer. And that's been the theme for me the past five years is switching from thinking I have all the answers, which is obnoxious, (laughs) silly, to space holding. You, I mean, such a powerful exercise to go from direct giving to 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 what I like to call is from going from problem solution to problem definition, right? To asking what's going on here? How can we find this out together? And is there a story, a specific story you can think of where you made this switch and you were talking to one of your team members and you were sort of fighting the urge to say, go do this. But instead you started with questions and led with questions and, and found a better outcome. Is there a story you can think of related to that? Again, there's like a million stories and I still to this day am aware that I am, I'm a student of this because there are times where I wanted to fall back into everyone listen up and I have the answer. And I think it also matters who I'm in community with. Example, my former boss, Scott Cashman, who's all over my book, Her Phoenix Rising, who taught me servant leadership. He now runs a hospital out of state and I'm no longer in the hospital and we don't get to connect very much. But when we do, I'm not a very good space holder because it's limited time and I have so much to say. So I default back into, I'm going to tell you versus I'm going to help you self-discover what I think maybe might be there. So I, I find it comical that I think it's an ebb and flow and a journey, but in my current company, in my current role, and I've done a lot of training, I went through a holistic coaching certification, not necessarily to be a coach, but to understand what space holding is. I went through a mindful facilitator training. I went through a soulful facilitator training. And all three of those helped me better understand. It's not about me holding class. Who wants to be talked to? Who wants to be told? I don't. You know, I want to be the one that that creates the spark or, you know, helps helps stir that in someone so that they can come up with their own true truth and their own authentic answer. And so that's how I spend the majority of my day, though I do slip up once in a while. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. But learning 
growing, being curious, and continuing to take life as lessons rather than judging. And what a powerful message to put out there. You know, you talked about the five months of putting these little vignettes together, the 29 stories. Could you maybe take us just to before that period where you thought, there's a book here. How did you even sort of figure out you have a book and how did, how did you get that done? So there had been a number of years, I'm going to guess five, where it had, and I know this happens with a lot of authors who are in our cohorts, you know, oh, you should write a book or I have a book in me. Both of those scenarios would occur over the five-year period, but there was really a pivotal night when I was enjoying my backyard with my husband and my stepdaughter, and it was a rarity because we were all pretty busy. And I don't remember what happened that day, but it was a pretty big overcome or, you know, experience. And we were sitting out back, <laughs> just exhaling and, and digesting the occurrence. And my beautiful, amazing stepdaughter, who now is a master's clinical social worker. And so there you go, right? She was my in-home therapist before. <laughs> and she just was listening to the day's tales. And she said, you know, Kristen, your life just seems so so easy and silver spooned and just, you know, you touch it and it's gold and life's really a breeze for you. And you've been through a lot and people don't know this about you. And it's not even that people need to know this about you, but you would help a lot of people if they knew, because then they would know that they could do it too. Wow. So I wasn't sure whether I should hug her or, you know, give her a noogie because <laughs> <laughs> that was the seed that planted out of all the seeds, including my husband, it told me for years. So that was probably two years before entering with the Creators Institute and New Degree Press. But as I started digesting and letting that kind of percolate and, you know, in me, the timing became when COVID hit and I was transitioning out of my corporate career. And I started interviewing some other folks to shed light on, on some of these thoughts. And I started exploring writing a book. And I met with a couple of people, really wonderful publishers. But then I was interviewing Dr. Holly Woods, who is just graduating from this cohort. And she said, why do you want to write a book? And I said, I, I, I think I do. I think I'm ready. Like, and even if it's not published, even just for my own self-reflection, I think it'd be a great exercise. Two days later, I was on the phone with Professor Eric. And then two days later, I was in the cohort that just started. It was a very sudden, like four day light switch from a journey that had probably been in process for a decade. It's incredible. One, a 10-year journey to this moment with your, your stepdaughter and how she helped you sort of have this moment of, no one knows the challenges you faced and so many could learn from this and then connecting all these dots. And then Eric, quite frankly, making this whole thing. So I'll use the word accessible again for so many to get their story out there. So now Phoenix, her Phoenix Rising is out there. It's been a year. You know, what's life like as an author now as a coach? How has that changed your career? Is it, what kind of doors has it opened for you? I think first and foremost, the exercise of, of reflecting and releasing was probably 85% of it. it. It cleared the space. It gave me, you know, again, you switch, but then it shows up differently just with a different mask on. The true healing work was, was held because of that writing. So for that, I'm forever grateful. And as I've sat in the discomfort of being, you know, the CEO of my own company, what does, what do I want it to look like? 
John, the crossings that have happened, the people that I have the opportunity to work with now that want to better understand whether it's their individual culture, their nonprofits culture, their corporate culture, their family culture. I am so blessed to be able to work with corporations, nonprofits, individuals to help them solve for root and how to interconnect with one another from a place of wholeness without judgment and preferably with a lot of diverse thinking so that you can get all sides of a truth and be able to to move something forward. So that's been the foundation. I was sharing recently, I didn't know that as a self-published author, which in essence, that's what this is, this program made it so easy. I didn't have two nickels to rub together to do this. And that's a big you know, problem for lots of us. So the fact that this opened up the, the pathway for me to afford it. And then I, I recently learned that very few books are actually sold. It wasn't necessarily about the book sales. It's more about the journey and the, the content knowledge, but my books continue to sell. And I think, you know, possibly are going to be able to, to help other people when, when, others, you know, cross it or they feel fit. So there's been, what is that? It's almost a year now of lives being touched and probably daily someone goes onto my website and touches in strangers, friends, people from high school. (laughs) Hi, I read your book and I, you know, I want you to know how, what this did for me and it's allowing me to own me and it means the world to me. Helping so many through this new lens on life, through the discovery you made through learning your book. I love this thought of, we often write the, our book, our, we're the first, we're the person who needs to be the reader of our book, right? And it certainly sounds like the case for you in a, in a big way, which is amazing. And now you're taking these lessons and helping so many others. And now all of this work has led to this recent TED Talk, right? That's absolutely incredible. Congratulations on that. What was that experience like? Wow, I've chills. That was a great example of creating an, a, a space right? And being, and then receiving. So I held a gathering in my living room for the community foundation in our town. And it was called On the Table. And I put it on Facebook and said, I'm going to be hosting a community discussion. And the first 27 people who would like to come, direct message me and come on in. So 27 dynamic women, even though it didn't say women only, showed up in my living room. And what was interesting is lots of them were not the usual suspects in my life. There were a lot, most of the people I didn't know very well, uh, which just opened up the doors to a lot of new connectivity. One particular attendee asked to go to lunch the following week we're at lunch and I'm listening, 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 listening. And at the very end, she shares that she's going to do a TED talk up in Tampa, Florida. And I just kind of probably cocked my head and she goes, do you want to do a TED talk? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Like it wasn't a goal. It wasn't on a whiteboard. It wasn't on a vision board, but it made total sense, you know, in, in, in my work, she immediately whipped out the phone, text the organizer, and I had an interview the next week. And the next thing you know, I'm going to do the next cohort of Ted talks. So I share it like that to say, there are people who work their tails off for years to get a Ted talk. It's not lost on me that I held space for another organization. I listened, I went to lunch and listened. I made that white space to receive a TED talk from a virtual stranger. What I love about that story is there's this, again, much like the book writing journey, there's this common thread, there's these common themes of community and creation and discovery and 
I think you used all of those or leveraged all of those in so many ways to make this happen. Like you never would have met that woman had you not brought this group together and done this talk. And that opened the door to this next journey. You know, so often in life, I hear people frustrated with this or that. And, and you know, they kind of, they're waiting for something to happen, right? <laughs> it's not going to happen without a little well, reflection, without a little curiosity, without going on some kind of a journey, right? Yeah. And what, what just happened there, which was hilarious. So I forget, I think that was October of whatever year that was, way through <laughs> COVID. And the TED Talk was in May. So while well, COVID happened in March. So what do you think happened in May? Not the TED Talk. So it got pushed to October. Guess what? No TED Talk. Long story short, two and a half years later, two and a half years later is my TED Talk. I can't control that. You know, some people didn't end up giving it. Some people did one virtual. I sat in the discomfort of not being in control. And I just, you know, at first I was like, oh my God, that's horrible. And then I laughed at myself and said, Kristen, you can't control that. There's a global pandemic. So John, when I had the opportunity to experience my talk last month, the talk that I ended up giving was so different from the talk it would have been two and a half years ago. And just my own introspection and maturation and and serenity and calmness, I feel, and I'd love your feedback when it comes out in a few weeks, I feel that permeated in this whole message of get comfortable, get grounded, get connected and show up from there without a ton of needs. And you will start attracting exactly what you not only need, but you can't even imagine. <laughs> and, and you're an example of that, John. You know, you offered your mentorship in my cohort when I wrote Her Phoenix Rising. And it said in the little chat, I'm here to help if anyone wants to connect. And I went over in the little chat and I said, hey, John, my name's Kristen. I'd love the opportunity to learn from you and connect. And you Zoomed with me for an hour. And, you know, here we are, what? I don't know how long later, being curious and being open and and being of service, I think is really foundational to taking life to this next level that's coming from the heart and not the head. Such a beautiful message and such patience you exhibited waiting those two and a half years. I yeah, that would it was a long time <laughs> to sit with that for all those years. And the title of your TED Talk, right? Finding your key to health, happiness, and abundance. Is that right? Yeah, it is through reconnecting with your heart. It's really what we're talking about. And in all honesty, now my keynote, which is thankfully being picked up nationally now, is in in reference to that. And the definition of insanity is going back in and writing a second book. I chose to re-enter the program because I wanted the discipline, the, the you know the support to be able to dive deeper into this content, not to write a, a workbook or not to write a checklist of this is how you do it because I don't know how you do it. I'm still understanding how I did it, right? But I felt after her Phoenix Rising, I was almost now being of a disservice to folks because those who it resonated for, it did inspire awakening. It did stir a curiosity, but then they're like, well, now what the heck do I do? And my mind is opened up and what do I do next? Yeah. right. Right. And I was like, I don't know. I don't sit in that seat. That's not what I do. I just spark curiosity. I, you know, inspire awakening. So after enough feedback like that, and I thought, Kristen, you've got to try, at least try, if not for your own self-knowledge, to dive deeper into some of the lessons 
and shed light on some of the ways people, programs, books, podcasts that people can connect with, because all of those things and more were what I connected with to do this myself. So why not write a second book that now takes people a little bit deeper, and then they may be attracted to one of the lanes, and maybe some of the ways will be something that can support their journey. Such a brilliant way to go about it. And the, the the outcome that you've had just from going from, you know, as you said a year ago, we're thinking, how do I pay for publishing this book? Finding a way to get it done through the pre-sale campaign that, and different versions of that we coach people through. And then finding a way to get it done, staying curious, continuing to learn. And now your second book coming out. And this is part of a trilogy, right? As I, I understand. Uh, you know, that <laughs> is that it? I, I will see. And maybe, I, maybe. I think, yes, even entering... The first one, there was something about a trilogy and three being my favorite number, but something about her Phoenix rising, like just breaking it down, getting back, right? The ashes and just getting reconnecting to inner. So that's her Phoenix rising. And then this is, this is in essence soaring, you know, so what does it look like once risen? How is it different? How are you showing up? And again, for each of us, that's different. And then there's possibly, and probably a third step, which I think I'm stepping into, but haven't lived yet. And we can reconnect next year as a second time alum where it's something about the transcendence. You know, right. what does what does that look like from a from a transcendence point? I can't wait for that that moment. So me neither. <laughs> you know, it's amazing to me at your one year anniversary as a writer on the time, April of your will be your one year anniversary on the book. Your TED talk will be coming out right around that time. And now you've got a new book coming out this fall, maybe a third. So Kristen, when you think about this whole journey and what you, you know, what's what you've been through and all of this awakening, you know, what is what's the what's the key message you think you have for listeners out there that you want them to take away from from your journey and this potential trilogy coming down the pipeline? Mm. Everything that we need and are desiring and and want are already within us, and we're never going to find it outside of self. And what a different life when showing up in community from a place of wholeness, self-love, self-care, self-actualization, embracing all of our uniqueness, not trying to fit in with other and not judging others for who they are. Having discovered that in my own journey through health issues has just led to a whole up-leveling that I possibly could have achieved like this, but exhaustingly and swimming upstream. So by releasing and letting go with love and getting really comfortable with self, it's just a whole different way to live. And the simplicity of it and the joy and the giggles, you know, my marriage has never been stronger. My relationship to family, even though there's still interesting dynamics has never been stronger. My decision-making is so easy and clear what to say yes to, what to say no to. My consumption has reduced dramatically. My health is thriving and it's a really comfortable way to live. A simpler life has proven to be a better and healthier life and finding your inner message or inner values and connecting with them, filling that cup up, if you will, to use your metaphor from earlier, what a powerful and simple message. And yet so often we have a hard time doing that, but it sounds like you found a way to do that. You've written about it. You've now done a TED talk about it and have another book coming out this fall. Absolutely incredible. Chris, I'm so happy for you in this journey you've been on. I'd love to share with others. Where might they, where might they go to find more about you and your story? Mm, I'd love to connect. KristenCollins.com is the portal and instantly learning from and connecting with new 
folks who are curious about this and, and happy, happy to be connected to you. Kristen with a C, by the way, and just in case anyone might look under the K out there, but her Phoenix Rising available wherever you buy books online today, about to hit the one-year anniversary, TED Talk coming out in April, and another book coming out this fall. Absolutely incredible. Kristen, congratulations on all your success, and thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. John, thank you for your bright light and the beautiful space that you hold. Appreciate it. I really appreciate that. This is another episode of the Creator Community. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, John Saunders. Keep moving forward. 